I must admit that this series has been very powerful for me as a Christian, as someone who has attempted to dedicate my own life to God. I find myself, as I take the time to study this, these scriptures each week, that I'm finding new meaning in the text. See, that's, I think, one of the beautiful things about God's word is that you can continue to go back to it and find more and more and more that is worth listening and being transformed by. I think I shared last week how I believe that one of the most important things that we can come away with and learn is that while the things that we think about about God are the most important things that we will ever think about, the, the conversations that we have with God are likely the most important conversations that we will ever have. I mean, if you, we can think about that in our own lives, right, about the conversations and the things that we have thought and the ways those conversations have shaped us in our lives. Well, today we're going to be continuing as we look at the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to be spe specifically be looking at verse 10. And now in verse 10, if you would open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, we're going to be reading that together today. So I'll actually start us above at verse 9, and we're going to read through verse 10. If you remember from last week, the Lord's Prayer comes in two different occurrences in Scripture, one of them being in Matthew 6, and then the other one being in Luke 11. So we're specifically going to be in Matthew for most of this series. So, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, what's interesting here about this verse is your kingdom come, your will be done, and earth as it is in heaven, is it supposed to in some ways shake our mindset of how we view our time here on earth. Here's the truth, church, that many of us, whether we realize it or not, are oftentimes trying to build our own kingdoms. Think about it right? We try to set up our lives in a way that we like. We try to set up our homes, the resources that we have, the things that we try to pursue in a way to build what? Our own little mini kingdoms on earth. But when Jesus prays, what does he do in this moment? He says, instead of our kingdoms, he focuses on whose kingdoms? God's kingdom. And he specifically prays for God's kingdom to come. Now, I don't know about you, but when I look around the earth today, do you see God's kingdom here? That's a tough one to answer. Because I think if we're truthful with ourselves, we see moments of God's kingdom, right? For me, for instance, as I reflect back on this week, I think about us all gathering together here on a Tuesday night to pray for one of our brothers in the faith as a form of God's kingdom being here. 
But then I also experience moments where I notice that God's kingdom's not here at all. With the ways that people hurt each other. Shame on anybody that would pick on somebody who's going through a situation where they get a car part stolen in the middle of a hospital. That, for me, is not God's kingdom here on earth. So we experience almost life intention, do we not? Where God's kingdom it can be visible, but also the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, the enemy's kingdom can also be visible. And we not only see that out into the world, but we also see that when we look at our own lives, do we not? That we oftentimes as people can be duplicitous. Where one day we're living for the Lord and then the next moment we're sinning against God. But when Jesus prays for God's kingdom to come, he has two meanings that he's trying to offer us. You see, the reality is, is that this world does have a bent towards the things that are evil. And in fact, I would go as far as to say that you have a bent towards evil. Church, we cannot be mistaken by the reality that left apart from God, we as people are depraved. That we have been corrupted by sin. That the good things that we are capable of doing in this life are an act and evidence of God's grace working inside of us and then through us. But yet, even though we live in a broken world, and even though we as people consider ourselves broken people, Jesus calls us to do what? To pray for his kingdom to exist on this place. Now, that is a hard prayer to pray. You know, having grown up in South Florida... I enjoyed the benefit of seeing the ocean. And if you've ever been in the ocean or been by the ocean, you see how vast it is. And in some ways, you almost feel small in consideration to how big and powerful the ocean is. And maybe for you, that experience is seeing a mountain out here in Colorado. But I know for me, sometimes, one of the silly things that you do as a child, especially if you're playing on the beach, is you try to scoop up sand or you scoop up water. And when you do those things, it almost feels completely pointless. Why? Because there's so much of it. Sometimes it could feel like trying to establish God's kingdom here is trying to empty the ocean with a single bucket. It almost feels like it's a pointless task. But the truth is, is that it isn't. That even though this world is corrupted by sin, that God calls us to do beautiful things. 
Have you viewed yourself as someone who is supposed to not just establish your own kingdom on earth, but to be a part of establishing God's kingdom on earth? I mean, that is a perspective switch if there ever was one. That we as people are called to bring about God's kingdom. You know, so often many of us are plagued with the struggles that we see, right? We desire justice, but so many times we see what? Injustice. We desire peace, but so often what do we see? Chaos and war, and violence, and a lack of peace. And yet, God calls his people, God calls you to be a part of the kingdom of God and bringing goodness into this world. Think about that. Think about that. You know, one of the struggles, I think, younger people have especially is sometimes we fail to see what it takes to have a good thing. Here's what I mean by that. We are very blessed that we can go to a grocery store and just pick the produce that we want off the shelves. To go to the deli section and not only select the type of turkey or ham that we want, but the type of flavor that we want. That we can even go to and purchase meat and then store it in a freezer and take it out whenever we want. All these things are wonderful things, but especially younger generations can fail to, to see the disconnect there between how it actually got there and the hard work that it took to bring about produce. And obviously, if you know a farmer or you are a farmer, if you've even thought about those things, you understand the effort it takes to make that happen. But what I think we as people get tripped up on at times is we wrongly think that the kingdom of God will just work itself out. And don't get me wrong, there's a little bit of truth to that, but if you read scripture, one of the things that you're constantly confronted by is that God always uses his people to, to use his people, that is, to bring about good. There isn't any story really in scripture that we see where God does not use an individual regardless of how broken they might seem, to be able to bring about his good. So in some ways, we live with a false perspective in, in that we think in the same way, well, the grocery stores will always have what we want, in the same ways we think sometimes that, well, God's kingdom, God's gonna do what he wants to do, and he's gonna do it the way that he wants to do it, and it's gonna happen because his word says it's gonna happen. And yes, there's a little bit of truth to that, that God will use the rocks if he has to, to glorify his name. But in reality, he invites us to do what? To be a part of the kingdom process. What a shame it is that people could live an entire life and hold on to the name of being a Christian, but yet not live out his kingdom to others. 
what a perspective switch it is when we realize that God empowers us and God invites us to be able to bring about his kingdom here on earth. You see, the kingdom of God is not just something that will eventually come, but it's actually something that we get to be a part of allowing to come through us. You see, I think Jesus is actually trying to make this point, that we pray for God's kingdom to come, that is one day for him to come back again, to put an end to the world that we see and the experiences that we have of pain and suffering, that we pray for that kingdom, that kingdom of goodness to be brought here, but we also pray for God's kingdom to manifest itself in the here and now that we experience. But church, here's the thing. You need to be a part of bringing about that kingdom. And I guess the harder question is, is are you a part of bringing about that kingdom? Church, make no mistake. You are not the only one to see the conflict between what you know is right deep down inside in what you see in front of you. You know, I remember when I was in my junior year of college, I was taking a biology course, and my professor at the university that I attended um, was a secular university, and um, he was a staunch atheist, this guy. I mean, it was almost like he took pleasure in ridiculing people that had any sort of faith, regardless of what religion it was. But he especially loved picking on Christians and making Christianity seem like a dumb person's religion. I remember, though, in particular, we were studying life and death, and he was trying to explain death to our class. And it was interesting because he even admitted from a scientific perspective how defining death can be actually a very difficult thing because oftentimes death is just the opposite of what is alive, right? So it's almost like you need to understand life to be able to understand death. And it was amazing to me because in that moment, I, I wish he would have gone a little further in realizing that in some ways at least from a human perspective, perhaps death is so hard to understand and define because we as people were never designed with death in mind. You know, you've probably heard it said that death is a natural condition, right? That death is a natural cause. And don't get me wrong, there's a little bit of truth to that, but in some ways, I would say that it isn't, that death is very unnatural. I think that's why we as people, when we go to a funeral or when we experience somebody who has gone through a hardship or something in their lives, maybe they haven't literally physically died, but something has died in their lives, something maybe that they formerly could do that they can no longer do anymore, or yes, even literal death. We feel the travesty of it. 
We feel the conflict in our heart. We feel inside of us something saying that this should not be so. Right? They need to be at the table with us. They need to be with us. We need them. And we feel all of those ways. C.S. Lewis, thinking about this, said these words. If we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is, is that we were made for another world. What does he mean by that? He means that the conflict that we have in our hearts is there because the world that we live in is not operating the way that it should be. So we feel that violation in our heart when we see things like death, injustice, travesty. I wonder what the world would look like if we as people took seriously the opportunities that we have to bring liberation, to bring God's kingdom. You know, I think the best that I can think of as I imagine what it's like to feel the liberation of God's kingdom, I think about what it must have been like to be in World War II and liberating a concentration camp. To be able to experience in that moment the old kingdom dying and in some ways a new kingdom coming. One of freedom. In some ways I think that is what we are to do as Christians. That we are supposed to see other people in this world needing the freedom that we have within ourselves. And that part of being able to establish God's kingdom in this world is not to just build a whole bunch of churches. Yes, that's a good thing. But it's to liberate a whole bunch of people. Because the truth is, is that we need a savior and we need someone to be able to meet those needs in our lives that we so often feel crushed by. What does it look like to do that? Well, I think it starts with this prayer. I think it starts with us praying specifically for God's kingdom to come. But and then it also continues in this prayer in verse 10 with not only praying for God's kingdom to come, but what? His will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. What does that mean? We all struggle as people in giving up our will. What do I mean by that? We all struggle to let go of what we want the way that we want it and how we want it, right? That is always a battle for us. But yet praying that God's will be done is praying specifically at the death of yourself. It's praying that, Lord, I want you to be able to be king and Lord over my life. I want the things that you are about to be the things that I am about. Is that a prayer that you pray in your life? Or when you go to God, are your prayers just prayers of 
your desires. God, give me this. God, help me with this. God, please do that. You see, I think Jesus wants us to see that the prayers that are worth praying are the ones that continues his work here, are the ones that continues to do the things that he was called to do. You see, what a privilege that is, that we get to enter into the Lord's work, that we get to be a part of God's will, that we, for somebody else, get to be a liberating force in their lives. But it's a hard, it's a hard bill to sell if you are in somebody else's life and you do not have freedom in your life because you do not give yourself over to God the way that you know you should, and you're just living in the same bondage of sin that other people are living with. I believe firmly that if you have breath in your lungs, that God is calling you to do good things in his name. Amen? So often, and I'm in the same victim of this, I worry and I worry and I worry. I worry about the economy. I worry about will I make it in life. I worry about so many things. I get it, it's natural. I'm a dad and I'm responsible for, in some ways, the way that our family dynamic works. I'm responsible to helping the family in a monetary way. And I get that. It's natural for me to worry. But so often I allow those worries to get in the way of the mission that God is calling me to. It's why our scripture reading today, and Abel, if you'd put that up on the screen again, came from Matthew 6. Because just a few verses after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus reminds us again at the importance of seeking his kingdom. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. What is Jesus trying to remind people here? Is that if you do the will of the Father, if you are about building God's kingdom here on this earth, then life has a natural way of just falling into place. That you can live at peace in your situation. Maybe you've come here to this church and you're the kind of person who never has peace, who's always worrying about tomorrow, who's plagued with wondering if God will provide or God will take care of you or God will get you through this certain season that you're in. I want to remind you that it's God's will for your life to in some ways set those worries aside. That's a freeing thought if you think about it. That it is part of God's will for you to in some ways set those worries aside, the worries for tomorrow. That should free you. 
That should liberate you. That should allow you to say, you know what? It's okay to shelf it. And to trust that God will take care of you if you live for him. Amen? So often, I think, we focus on our problem more than we focus on our God. And in focusing on our problem, we don't realize that all we end up doing is in some ways we get stuck in the mud. It's almost like because we're focusing on our problem, our problem becomes worse and we become consumed by it. I'm reminded by a phrase that my grandfather used to tell me. He has since gone with the Lord, but he used to always tell me, big problems, bigger God. Maybe you've heard that before, but it's so true. So church, we as praying people need to pray for God's kingdom here because it is through God's kingdom that we are able to bring hope into this world. The truth is, is that most of what is being sold out there today, and I'm not just talking about what's being sold at Walmart, I'm talking about what's being sold there from an ideological level, is something that is bankrupt, corrupt, it's not a lasting kingdom. You see, what God's kingdom is, is a lasting kingdom. It's a good kingdom. It's the kingdom of hope and life that all of us desperately want for ourselves. That is the kingdom that God is inviting you to live and to dwell in. Are you living in that kingdom? Then second to that, I would say, are you allowing that kingdom to be built in your life and in the life that you have with others? Do people feel a sense of liberation when they're with you? And I get it, it's people's wills that will decide whether or not they receive Jesus or not, but there should be a sense that people have when they come into contact with you that they can experience God's goodness through you. That's kingdom work. God does not just want you to, how do I say it? Live for yourself and make your life happy. If that's your goal, you're going to feel a soreness in your heart. You're going to feel a perpetual sense of life has to be more than this. Some of the happiest people I know have the least amount of stuff. And there are some happy people I know that have a great amount of stuff. It's not the stuff that makes a difference. It's what they're living for that makes a difference. We need to be people that live for God's kingdom. I hope that by the time I'm an older man, that I can look back in my life and it can be said that Kevin, Pastor Kevin, worked for God's kingdom, not just in Peace Mennonite Community Church, but in the way that he lived. 
the way that he loved his friends, the way that he loved strangers, the way that he tried to parent his children, the way that he tried to, to talk to somebody who didn't know that he was Pastor Kevin. Because my life isn't just about myself. My life is about doing what the Lord wants to do in and through me. If Jesus is about God's kingdom then we need to be about God's kingdom. And make no mistake, I believe that's why it comes so early in the Lord's Prayer. is because God wants us to get our minds and our eyes off of ourselves and onto who? Him. The only way that we can do that is by allowing our lives to be ones that reflect the Lord by killing in some ways our will for ourselves and living for God. If the question is, is, well, I never know what God's will is for my life, I have a good quote for you from Billy Graham. He said, if you are ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. Starts with doing what? Spending time with the Lord and allowing his will to be your will. But the best way you can do that is by just getting time in his word, amen? What would this world look like if all of us took seriously God's kingdom? I know many of you do, but we also know that there are too many Christians out there that claim the name of Christ that don't commit themselves to the kingdom of God. I have a feeling this world would be a radically different place. Let's work to do that in our own lives and through the people that God calls us to influence. So, as a reminder for you guys today, for the big idea God's kingdom brings freedom to all. Be the kind of person, church, who can bring freedom in somebody else's life through the freedom that you have through Jesus. Amen? Well, what I hope we can do each week, and we did it last week, and we'll do it again this week and again next week, is we'll go and pray together now the Lord's Prayer. I'd like to put it on the screen for you guys, and let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, Lord, we do pray for that. We pray, 